That's Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The second reading is taken from Psalm 89, starting at verse 14. It can be found on page 598. Psalm 89, starting at verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength, and by your favour you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Let's begin uh, in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wondrous nature of your word. We thank you for the way that you've spoken to us through it over the years. And we pray now, Lord, that you will open it to us And we pray, Lord, that our daily lives will be different as a result of what we learn from it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I start, I'd just like to to tell you that um, much of what I say this morning is going to come from a book called God is Closer Than You Think by John Ortberg. Uh, I highly recommend it to you. Uh, That's the book, not necessarily my talk. Um, Let me set the scene for us, if I may. Um, Many of you will know of the centrality of hospitality in Middle Eastern cultures. And many of you will know that that particularly focused around the traveller and how it was a very, very important part of owning a home, to be willing to open its doors to people who came knocking on them and to welcome them in and to provide for them. And you will have heard that Mary, uh, Martha opened her door to Jesus and we don't know how many uh, disciples or followers were with him. And you will have heard that she got stuck in to the preparations for looking after them And you'll also have heard that Martha, rather than doing that, listened to Jesus. So what's under the surface of of this, this short account? Well, at an initial reading, we might think that the the point of the story is that Mary was right to stop what she was doing and to listen to Jesus and that Martha was wrong to carry on with what she was doing 
on the preparations. And at an initial reading, we might therefore think that Jesus is um, praising the quiet, reflective types amongst us uh, and telling the busy types amongst us that we should settle down a bit. But just digging into a bit, it doesn't seem to be that that's the full story. Because what Jesus says to Martha is that she's worried and upset about many things. And that she's, as we read in the passage, distracted by the preparations. He doesn't tell her to stop the preparations, but just that she's worried and upset and that she's distracted. And when he talks to Martha about Mary, he doesn't say to to Martha, well, you need to come and join Mary. No, he says, only one thing is needed. And he says that Mary has chosen what is better and that it will not be taken from her. And that kind of makes sense to me because... In so much of Jesus' teachings, we hear him encouraging us in, his work, in our work. In so much of Jesus' teachings, we hear him encouraging us to serve him and to serve others. He wants us to help with the coffee after church. He wants us to look after our kids. He wants us to look after our elderly relatives. He wants us to do our jobs. And we know that he spoke in many many parables around these things. He spoke about the harvest being plentiful, but the workers being full. He talked about the parable of the talents, how the person who worked with their talents was rewarded. So what was it then that Mary was getting right that Martha wasn't getting right? Well, I'm afraid I have to get a bit technical now. There's a phrase in verse 39 where Jesus says, where Jesus says, or the passage says, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. It turns out that that's a technical term that's used much in the Bible and in Old Testament, New Testament times to refer to the relationship of a disciple with their rabbi or a teacher that's sitting at their feet. And you may just be, remember, it may just kind of peak a memory in your minds uh, that, when, that, for example, when Paul arrived in Jerusalem and he was pre- presenting his credentials to, uh, to the Jews... He said to them, for example, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, i.e. Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel. And this then was this expression used again of a disciple with their teacher. And in Jesus' time, a disciple with their teacher would follow them around, would listen to everything that they said, would watch how they interacted with other people, would watch how they ate, how they went about their chores, 
would really be looking to absorb their teacher, their rabbi, into their whole lives. They were making a fundamental choice. They were saying, I want to emulate this person. I want them to be at the center of my life. And again, it may just ring a bell in your mind of the disciples who said that they had left everything to follow Jesus. And so having heard that, maybe we can understand better why Jesus says to Martha about Mary that only one thing is needed, and that is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This thing, this sitting at the Lord's feet, not just the kind of the listening, not, doing the, not just not doing the preparations, but being at the Lord's feet. In that moment, and recognizing that we can have our great adventure with God now. It's not something we should be striving for just in the future, though our aspirations in that regard are great, but we can look to have that adventure with God now in this very moment. When we're at work, when we're watching television, when we're watching YouTube, when we're looking after those pesky kids, when we're doing those cle- the cleaning, when we're making coffee after church, when we're in our kitchens, our equivalent of Martha's kitchen that day. So I would like to take a few minutes now to just walk us through our days and to think about what our days might look like if we let God into our kitchen. What does first thing look like? What does it look like when we're doing our thing, our job or our volunteering or whatever that might be? What does it look like when we're enjoying our thing, whatever our preferred leisure is? And what does it look like last thing at the end of the day? So let's start with first thing. I think I'm speaking here more to the night owls than the early birds. Those of us who are early birds know that we can get up early and we can make space for God in the morning to do our morning reset with God and to to take that time to ground ourselves in him. But those of us who are night owls find that we can't do anything until we've had 10 coffees and actually got into the office. But I would argue that for any of us, whichever of those we are, that there are a few simple steps we can take to ground our day in God. We can tell us him our concerns for the day and invite him into them and into our lives afresh. We can acknowledge our dependence on him. We can say, I will not live through this day banking on my own strength and power, but on God's. Or as Dallas Willard puts it about what he does, at the beginning of each morning, I commit the day to the Lord's care. I place God 
in charge. So I no longer have to manage the weather, the airplane schedules, and other people. He will be doing that. And this, friends, we can do when we're shaving or showering. It's not tricky. Maybe we can go one step further and we can have a verse which we use as our touch point for that day. So I think of the verse which was in the middle of the second passage which Dom read for us. Blessed are those who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long, for you are their glory and their strength. And then there's doing our thing, whatever it is that takes up our day, the work, the volunteering, the studying, the looking after our children or or elderly relatives. Well, I said that I'm an early bird, and I guess that's where my day starts well, but I think I'm a bit like the hare who gets ahead early, but then gets caught up by the tortoise and I sort of lag behind because, if I'm honest, so often in my working week, the fog of war descends upon me and I lose touch with all the good intentions, all that closeness to the Lord at the beginning of the day, and I become like Martha. I become distracted. I become worried and upset about many things. I just returned this week from... Uh, two weeks holiday Uh, and I have found myself writing emails and whatsapp messages to to friends who've asked how my week has gone and saying I have felt overwhelmed we should not be feeling overwhelmed if God has got our back I've worried about whether I'll win that pitch I've worried about whether my last candidate for a piece of work for a client, I'm a headhunter, will withdraw and the search will implode. I've worried about whether I'll get to a meeting on time. Well, actually, I haven't worried about that. I've worried about whether Zoom will work or not. And it makes life emotionally unpleasant. I'm not at Jesus' feet. I'm upset in the kitchen. I'm distracted. I'm distracted from the presence of God in my life. What can I, what can we do about this? Well, I love the phrase um, used in rugby matches when the two halves or the two sides of a scrum come together and as they're facing each other, they're about to crash together, the referee says, pause, touch, engage. And I think, folks, that that's what we need to do in our working days. We need to pause. We need to touch God. And we need to engage with him. And I would encourage myself, I'd encourage all of us to do that that when we arrive at our desk in the morning or when we arrive at our dining table in the morning, as we might be doing nowadays. I'd encourage us to pause during the course of the working day and do that. And I would encourage us to review the tasks in front of us in the light of God's help with us. And perhaps to have aid memoirs around us, perhaps 
a picture of a loved one who he knows praying for us, perhaps a Bible verse, something like that, perhaps a memory verse. So at the beginning of 2020, not knowing that COVID was around the corner, for the first time ever in my life, I selected a memory verse for the year 2020, back in January of that year. And it went as follows, and it's from Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And so much I've just sort of called that to my mind uh, in recent, recent months. So if that's first thing and doing our thing, let's turn to enjoying our thing. Now, I think that it's pretty binary, this thing around enjoying our thing. I always say to people, if you are happy that God is happy for you to be doing that leisure thing, then provided you don't spend too much of your time on it, carry on doing it and believe that God has given you that blessing and that pleasure. There might be one or two things that we do too much of. Me, I have a habit of scrolling through property websites. That's one of my distractions. Well, maybe we need to rein back on some of these things. But as a general rule, the things that we enjoy doing, God enjoys us doing. For me, during lockdown, that's been hiking, particularly, and it's been reading. Well, again, it's a good and a bad. The hiking, I find it so easy to draw close to the Lord. I see him in nature. I hear the birds singing. I hear the babbling brook babbling. Um, And even yesterday afternoon, I could walk in our park and see the sky, lift my eyes up out of the here and now. But reading, I'm not so sure. My wife would say of me that my nose is always in a book. It occupies so much of my spare time. And I don't feel that I have invited God into that time. And I need to do that. I need to think about what I'm reading. And I need to read those books with God and think about what he is saying to me in them. So I just present those as two small examples. And there will be many, many different things in your lives. Let God come in and claim our leisure time. Let's make that his time as we enjoy these things. And as part of that, let's let him claim our eating time as well. We spend a lot of time eating and for the most of the time we enjoy it and God wants us to enjoy it. I love the story that Selwyn Hughes tells of uh, two businessmen who check in, they don't know each other, they check into a hotel together and um, both happen to appear, when they've been up to their rooms, they both happen to appear in the otherwise empty restaurant at the same time. Sit down at different tables, but they can kind of see each other. They order their food, lo and behold, it arrives at the same time. And one of the businessmen tucks into his food immediately, straight in, eats it all. The other man seems to pause before he starts eating it, and then starts eating. The first businessman can't resist asking the other man, well now, could you tell me please? I I noticed you didn't start eating eating immediately. What's going on? Uh, And uh, the second businessman said, well, I'm a Christian. And before I start eating, I always give thanks to God for my food. 
And the first businessman replied, well, yeah, I'm not like that. I worked hard all day. I've done my work. I've put my sweat into it. I've earned my money and I deserve to eat this food. So I just get on with it and enjoy it immediately. And the second businessman said, well, it's funny you should say that because I've got a friend who's just like that. Uh, And the first businessman said, oh, okay, interesting. Who's that? The answer being, well, my dog. Um, So if that's first thing, if that's doing our thing, if that's enjoying our thing, what about last thing? What about when we're sleeping? Well, of course, God has made sleep to refresh us. And he has made it for us to enjoy. It's part of his creation for us, part of his plan for us. So I speak more here to people like me who are insomniacs. What might we do when we're awake at night? Well, there's some great Bible verses out there that might help us through the night. I love this verse from Psalms. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So we can call those kind of verses to mind. As we're lying there, we can know that Jesus is with us. Um, I know the year when my insomnia kicked in. It was 2003, and it was a year when I was uh, in a very, very demanding situation at work. Uh, I was uh, finance director of a a newspaper, and um, uh, we were in the midst of a global recession, and uh, our ad revenues were just cratering, and me and the rest of the board were under huge pressure from uh, our owners. And I know that that's when that whole insomnia thing got hold of me. But I was in a great St. Michael's home group at that time. And Yvonne Brooks, who was here at the nine o'clock service, is not here now, gave me a little, um, it's hard to describe, it's a wooden cross, but it's in a funny shape and it's sort of soft and tactile, though made of wood, to hold at night. So as I was holding that cross, as I woke up, I could think of Jesus. It's made a huge difference. And now I feel that I might be awake at night. God is there with me. Let's put all of this together, folks. As I've been saying some of this, it might just have been triggering in some of your minds uh, stories about a person called Brother Lawrence. Oh, yes, Brother Lawrence. Uh, who was, I'm not sure which century he lived in, but several centuries ago, lived in a monastery, and he was the pot and bottle washer. He never rose through the ranks. He spent all of his time in the monastery, in the kitchen. He used to humorously describe himself as the lord of pots and pans. And he said, it is not necessary to have a great thing to do. I turn my little omelettes in the pan for the love of God. And he also said, I make it my business only to persevere in his holy presence. Therein I keep myself by a simple attention and a general fond regard for God, which I refer to, he said, 
as the actual presence of God. So can we be Brother Lawrence's in our daily lives? Can we embrace each moment, not in the world's way, but by embracing the moment with Jesus? Maybe we should try picking a day, just an ordinary day, not a heroic day, not doing anything different in that day, just try doing what you always do in that day and try doing those things with Jesus in your kitchen, whether it's work or volunteering or looking after people or whatever. And maybe we should tell someone we're going to have a go at doing that so we can be a bit accountable. And maybe we should have a go at remaining with Jesus through that day and asking him to be our companion and our teacher through that day. Let's close in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that so often we become distracted from you. So often uh, worries uh, catch our minds and take them away from you. and We fail to trust in you and stay close to you. Lord, we thank you that you are just waiting there to be with us every day to teach us, to guide us, to be our companion. And Lord, we invite you to do that in our lives in a new way. Lord, we want a new beginning. And so we claim your promise, Jesus, that when we ask, you will give. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will come and fill us afresh now and bring change through our daily lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.